Hi friends, I'm Chris Kane, and you're listening to the Propel Women Life and Leadership Podcast, where we share faith-fueled stories from leaders all over the globe to help you fulfill your God-given purpose. I am so glad that you're joining us today. Let's dive in. My friend, Nona Jones, she's a preacher, a business executive, an author, and an entrepreneur currently serving as the Chief Content and Partnerships Officer at Uversion. Okay, that's a mouthful, Nona. And Uversion is the maker of the 500 million download Bible app and my personal favorite. I love it. So her corporate leadership includes serving as the head of global faith partnerships at Meta, the company formerly known as Facebook. I feel like everything is the company formerly known as. Anyway, the Chief external affairs officer for multi-state school for at-risk girls and public policy director for a multi-service utility company. So she's also the best-selling author of three books. You got to get these books. They're awesome, including Killing Comparison, Success from the Inside Out, and From Social Media to Social Ministry, which is just so helpful. And so, you know, I am grateful when it came down to our first season to launch this podcast. I'm like, Nona, is going to be on this because I love her with a passion. Nona, you are literally uh, brilliant on so many levels. And of course, you have become over the last several years, the go-to person for most churches, denominations, uh, organizations, not-for-profits on social media. I have to say, you've been on the inside, so you've seen the good, bad and ugly, no doubt about it. So um, let's talk about why you think that social media can be a great tool of ministry. And I think what would be really good for people to hear from you because you're so knowledgeable, um, what are the potential pitfalls? Well, I think, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here with you. And when you talk about you not wearing makeup, you don't have to. Like you oh, just annoy you win. to where you just wake up with lashes, you wake up with with like contour. It's just how you roll. Don't believe a word of it, anybody. <laughs> We have, yeah, we believe it. Um, I've been really, really blessed to be able to be on somewhat of the ground floor of the, the social technology acceleration and advancement in the church. And I remember when I first started working at Facebook, and I should give this caveat, like when I was hired at Facebook, I was not a technologist. Like I did not work for Google or Apple or Twitter. Um, the Lord literally called me to Facebook. Um, as you mentioned, I, at the time I was, I was actually leading a multi-state network of alternative schools for girls who had been at risk for delinquency. I loved my job. I thought my job was ministry. And then the Lord spoke to me, this was in February of 2017. And he told me to leave that job. I didn't have a plan B, um, but he gave me the day to resign, which was June 30th, 2017. On that day, I gave my resignation letter and 25 minutes later, I got a call from Facebook um, asking me to take the new role of head of faith partnerships. And when God called me there, I literally asked, I was like, Lord, why did you call me here? Like, I don't, I don't have a background in technology. I'm working with all these super smart people that went to Ivy league schools. And I remember the Lord said very clearly, he said, he called me there for ministry. And so what I started to do is I just started to pay attention because at the time, this was back in 2017, I think most churches were using Facebook, for example, as just like a, a digital bulletin board. It was like, hey, we have this event coming up or, um, hey, here's a quote from a sermon. And that was kind of it. But at the time, Mark changed the mission of the company to focus on building community. And so building tools 
that would allow people to connect with each other and actually build relationships. And that is what our faith is all about. Our faith is built on the idea of community. And so um, I remember when I first started doing this work, many pastors, they were resistant to using technology, in particular social technology, to live stream because in their mind, that was going to somehow, you know, cannibalize in-person attendance. And my question to them was always, well, how's that working for you? You know, how, how is it going? Uh, are, is, your in, is your attendance increasing? And they would always say no. And so the potential was there. I just think many churches didn't know how to use it. And I will say this, you know, we actually have a model in scripture for God using technology to advance his kingdom. And we see it in the book of Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost, we know that the Holy Spirit fell on those 120 Galilean Jews who were in the upper room. And because of what the Holy Spirit did, there were Jews walking around who spoke other languages that the Galileans were able to minister to and declare the wonders of God in their language. God has given us an example of the first, the alpha release of Google Translate. Like that's that's what the Holy Spirit was, right? And so now you can make a Facebook post and someone on the other side of the world can read it because there is artificial intelligence built into the platform that will translate your post into their language. Hang on a sec. So are you telling us before AI there was the Holy Ghost? Is that what Absolutely. I'm hearing? Listen, listen. Some people, Google, Google ain't got nothing on God. Like, Come on. This, is, this is nothing new. <laughs> so then keep going. Because yeah, I did interrupt you. Yeah. No, no, that's that's what I was gonna say. Like honestly, like I, I think we have our model for what technology can do, it's in scripture. Like it, it accelerates, it gives us the ability to reach new nations, reach new peoples. Um, and I think we just have to be willing to, to do what God has already been doing. And that is step into this space of using technology for ministry. So that's, that's the benefit. So what have you said, what did you say to, before we get to pitfalls, to the pastors, the leaders that would go, okay, um, God came in the form of Jesus, there was incarnational ministry. Is digital ministry going to take away from incarnational ministry? Does it Does it in any way cause it, uh, you know, you're going, how does that work for you? But then where do you see both working together? So, um, you know, because I, I work for version, I hear stories all of the time. And I'll give you one concrete example, but I hear stories all of the time about the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to people in dreams, in countries where we cannot have incarnate ministry, we cannot send missionaries, and yet the Holy Spirit is actually appearing to people and calling them into the faith. And so I don't think it's either or, I think it's both and. Like God is already giving us this example that he can work through anything and we just have to be willing to partner with him and use these tools for his glory. Moving on is more than a one-time decision. It's actually a way of life. Hi, I'm Chris Kane. I'm the author of Don't Look Back. You know, I wrote this book because it's time for us all to begin to let go of the past and trust God with our future. God has got so much more ahead for you. So Don't Look Back is available wherever books are sold and on sale right now at Amazon. So why don't you order your copy today? Yeah, Nona, you, you've mentioned, first of all, so many different things that like my brain is just trying to keep up because technology is also not where I land, but you've, you've mentioned AI, you've mentioned Google, you've mentioned Facebook. Like there's so many, there's so many huge things that you as your job are, are keeping up with. 
But something you said in the very, very beginning was that God told you to leave your previous job. And, and you have this sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that is so different and so, so special. Like, I hope you know how special it is. And, and so how, how do you not try to pace yourself with, how do you not try to pace yourself with the industry, but stay pacing yourself with God? Oh man. So this, this is like the million dollar question. And I actually, I was just at uh, Wheaton college and I was talking to a room full of church leaders. Cause they were like, talk about what's next for the church, the future of technology for the church. And the, the thing that I think we have to remember is that there will always be more tools. There will always be more platforms. There will always be more strategies. That's just the nature of technological evolution. It's going to happen. The question is not how do we use all these tools? The question is why do we use them and who are they serving? Because if we make the mistake of just trying to adopt every single thing that comes out as quickly as it comes out, we will simply end up confused. And so I think we have to remember why God even calls us to technology. And we know that's because of the Great Commission. And who is he calling us to? He's calling us to the world. Like he's called us to make disciples of all nations. And so to the extent that technology allows us to reach the world for the, the gospel, for the kingdom of God, absolutely, we can use it. We should explore it. We should understand it. But I don't want anybody to feel the pressure of being a technologist. You don't have to be a technologist, um, but you do need to at least understand how these tools can benefit the kingdom. And, and one of the things that God helped me to realize is, again, looking at the early church, you know, when, when the Holy Spirit descended on those Galilean Jews, the reason why it happened is because Every Jew from every nation was gathered in that place. And so God gives us the model that technology is for global ministry. But what I think a lot of churches are doing is we're limiting it to local ministry. So it's like, how does this technology grow my church? How does this technology increase my giving when technology is really meant to benefit the body of Christ? So that's the filter that I would offer is don't think about it as I have to use everything that comes out. It's what is this technology going to do to enable me to reach the world for Jesus? That is such that is such a different perspective from what I feel like I've heard in so many different um, so many different ministries and so many different parts of the church that I've been a part. Of. Like I just I love your fresh perspective and just to pivot. This is just a pivot, just a little bit, um, but it's something that I want to know. I mean, you are you are so intelligent and when you take a when you take a stage like that is known as stage like you i mean you are so confident but something that you talk about and something that you have alluded to a little bit and some of the things you said is comparison i mean you wrote a whole book called killing comparison if i were to just watch you take a stage or take a stage or even just listening to you talk right now i would never think that comparison was even in your mind I, it, it would, it would never even dawn on me because you are so, you are so confident. And so just talk to us a little bit about how you have seen comparison playing out in social media, how it robs joy, but then how to also get that joy back. Well, first of all, you are very kind. Um, I, so back, back in 2020, when I started writing the book, um, if you would have said to me, Nona, um, I think you're insecure. I would have said that is a lie because have you not seen my resume? Like how, how could I be insecure? Look at all I've That's done. <laughs> you know, but um, what actually happened for me 
and this is involving social media is, you know, that year, 2020, I was releasing two books. Um, I had a full calendar of speaking engagements. It was going to be an amazing year to use the uh, colloquial term. It was going to be a lit year. It was going to be amazing. Right. Yes. So, um, you know, the pandemic happened, events got postponed, canceled. And I remember one morning I went to log on to um, a video conference for work. But typically before I start my work day, I would go on Instagram just to respond to people's comments. I usually don't even look at my newsfeed. I go straight to my notifications. But that morning I caught a glimpse of my newsfeed and I saw a post from a friend just saying how excited she was because she was going to be speaking at this like virtual women's conference and it was going to be amazing. It was like thousands of people are going to be joining. And I saw the post and I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And I scrolled down a little bit more. And then there was another friend posting the exciting news that she was also going to be speaking at this conference. And I was like... That's, that's really interesting. And I scrolled down again, another friend. And then there was another one and another one and another one. And it got to the point that I knew all the speakers. I knew the host. And I was like, why wasn't I invited to speak? And then I clicked on people's profiles because I was like, well, how many followers do they have in comparison to me? And I clicked on their website. I was like, what other events are they speaking at in comparison to me? And I started to do all of this like comparison calculus to try to figure out where do I stand in this big scheme of things and I was asking why her, not me? Why was I overlooked? Why was I not invited? And the Holy Spirit in the middle of that question asked me, no, no, why does it matter? And that question, it caused me to look at myself and be like, yeah, why does it matter? Like, why, why am I suddenly feeling like someone else being chosen means that I was left out? Like, why why does it feel like somebody else's success is my failure? And I, I had to really just wrestle with that and grapple with that because one of the insights that I had as I was even writing the book is that yes, social media does expose our insecurity, but it's not the source of our insecurity. It really isn't. Because if you think about it, two people can look at the exact same post. One person can walk away inspired and the other person can walk away discouraged. And so it really is a question of the heart. And that's, that's something that I, I really had to deal with. And I thank God that I dealt with it because now I'm in a position where I can see somebody just like crushing it and I'm just like, go forth, you know? Um, but in that season, I wasn't there and I would not have ever known it had it not been for social media. So I don't see it as a bad thing. I actually see it as a mirror, giving us an opportunity to just ask God, what's going on with me? No, no, I love that. You're going, okay, so I killed that comparison and now I can celebrate my sisters or somebody else. And somebody's like, that's great. Uh, you just sort of uh, fast-tracked three years in 30 seconds and one sentence, um, but I am still scrolling through everyone else's they're still in their bedroom doing the comparison they've got the charts up on the board who's got how many followers what's i mean they're they're there and they're going okay tell me five practical things that you did that have gotten you to this point where now you can celebrate and laugh but that's a big journey between putting up your charts and doing your analysis and your calculus and then sitting here now celebrating someone else yeah yeah so it's the first thing that I had to recognize is that we are often taught that insecurity is a derivative of low self-esteem. And so what we do in response to that is we try to make ourselves feel better by like memorizing scriptures. We say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. We memorize affirmations like, oh, I'm beautiful. I'm smart. But what I had to learn and what God revealed to me is that insecurity is not a function of low self-esteem. It's actually a function of what your identity is secured to. Mm. 
And so when you start to feel like you're being triggered by somebody else's success, that is typically letting you know that your identity is secured to something that is insecure. The only thing, the only thing that we can secure our identity to that is immovable is who Jesus says that we are. When we secure our identity to, for example, our titles, our education, our physical appearance, our bank account balance, our speaking engagements, when we secure our identity to those things and we see somebody else winning in those categories, our insecurity will get triggered because we're, we're taking our sense of worth from those things. So we have to first identify what is it that my identity is secured to apart from Jesus that is causing me to see somebody else's success as my failure. That's number one. And I think right. number two, we have to be honest. I think many times we, we stay kind of in bondage to insecurity because we spend more time denying it than getting delivered from it. It's like, I'm not insecure. I don't have any problems. No, I love it when somebody wins. Like we, we, we say all these things knowing that on the inside, we are literally feeling crushed. And so we have to be willing to just be honest. Like, you know what? Yeah, I, I didn't like the fact that that person got the job. I don't like the fact that, you know, they succeeded in this way. And that opens the door for the Holy Spirit to begin to do work because we will never get free from the, the bondage that we don't acknowledge. So those are two very important steps to freedom. Which I love that. So I'm thinking in your own leadership journey um, that's gone so far, you're here now working with version, and um, you're in a big world and you're involved around big people. I, you keep saying, Chris, I've got to get my identity in Jesus. I'm, uh, I have to know where my strength and significance and security come from. Does that mean that you never uh, grapple with comparison anymore? Every day. <laughs> Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, okay. Every day. And, and, but, but I now have a toolkit for it. Right. Like I... One of the things that I, I, I actually just recently posted this is I think many, many people believe that if you just get a certain level of success, that will somehow inoculate you against insecurity. Like if I just get 10,000 followers, then I'll, I'll have arrived. Well, you get 10,000 and then you realize, oh, wait, there's somebody with 100,000. And you're like, man, if I could just get 100,000, then I'll have arrived. You get 100, you're like, oh, there's somebody with 500, a million, two, 10. I just... People sometimes say I look like Cardi B, which I don't. She has like 140 million followers, right? I don't care how many followers I have. It ain't going to be 140 million. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, a daily, it's a daily wrestling. But again, I have a toolkit for it. So when it's triggered, I now know it and I acknowledge it and I lean into it. So concrete example, when Killing Comparison was coming out, I think a week before that, a friend of mine, she released a book. And it was all over the internet. She was on like um, MSNBC and Good Morning America and all these things. And I remember the enemy speaking to my heart, like, see, nobody's going to buy your book. You're not going to be on those programs. Nobody wants to hear from you. But because I had been dealing with my comparison and insecurity, what I did is I went to amazon.com. I bought her book. Then I went to my bedroom. I pulled a pillow off my bed. I kneeled on the pillow. I prayed for her in earnest. God, bless her, exceed her expectations, blow her mind, make this a bestseller. After I did that, I texted her and I said, my sister, I want you to know I am so excited for what God is doing. I pray that he blows your mind. And when I hit send on that text, I said aloud in my room, take that devil because my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills and you're not going to convince me that her success is somehow limiting what God has for me. 
And that's how I've been walking in freedom is whenever I feel it, it's like, no, 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 I'm leaning into it. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate that person's success because that's just evidence that God is still in the blessing business. So it's not a threat. I think that is awesome because I would say even as, you know, even women, as we step more and more into leadership roles, I still think um, because there are so few seats at certain tables that when a woman gets a seat at a table, rather than encouraging and inspiring and bringing through others with her, um, it's like, man, I've got to protect this. Uh, <laughs> have you come across that? I'm wondering, even you were in Silicon Valley, you saw the whole thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, so... I had, a, I had an interesting situation when I first started working at Facebook. So when I was hired, I wasn't hired as a spokesperson. Like I was hired to build this team, build this strategy, but uh, the communications team, I started to do some like internal speaking and they saw me and they were like, oh, we should have you represent the company and go speak at conferences and be on the news and stuff. Well, my manager at the time, um, she blessed it at first. She was like, oh yeah, go do it. You're great. But I started to get more and more visibility. People in the company were starting to like shout me out. And I remember sitting across the table from her one day and I was, she said I was doing a great job in my work, but she said, you know, we're going to have to like, you know, have you stop doing all this speaking because I think it's distracting you from your core work. Well, at the time I remember being like, what? And so I went to the head of the communication because I was friends with her and I was like, what's going on? And she said, Nona, she's jealous of you. And what she's trying to do is she's trying to diminish your visibility in the company because she doesn't want you to get ahead of her. Now, what happened though, and this is, this is why I know God is, he, he works all things together for our good. When I was speaking on behalf of the company, I couldn't get paid. Like it was all, you had to do it for free. When I started to speak on behalf of myself, the communications team was like, well, they can pay you because you're not speaking on behalf of the company. And so there was a period of about three or four months where I wasn't speaking on behalf of the company, but I was able to speak on behalf of me. And what that did is that ended up setting me up for my books uh, that ended up opening up all types of doors to ministry. And then Chris, what happened? That manager got demoted and I was appointed to her job. Whoa. And so God worked it all together. And I think he was just trying to prove to me that when you carry yourself with humility and you carry yourself with honor, he will reward you. Like you don't have to be vindictive. You don't have to seek vengeance. He will reward you. But yes, I've experienced that. And I, I know though that God fights my battles. So I don't, Take it personally. I think it's very powerful for you to say that because it's hard to hang on to that um, when you feel like you're being unjustly treated or, uh, but I think you said something very significant, which I, I think it's a broader cultural issue that a lot of us, it, it when you're on the receiving end of that kind of uh, being overlooked or perhaps, you know, um, a whole myriad of things, you can really want when the moment comes in to get your own vengeance or you want to be vindicated, um, which is very different to justice. So when there are unjust practices, all of us, you know, within our companies, in our leadership, we want to make sure that there is equal justice for all and everyone has access to that. But the Lord says two things are his. He says, vengeance is mine and vindication comes from God. I think in our our world that is so divisive, uh, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of online vitriol. Sometimes we can cross that line from I'm going for justice to I want vengeance and I want some kind of vindication out there. And so for you to be able to say, you know, God's going to do that, 
that's not a very popular message in this day and age is what I'm saying. It's, it's, but, but I, I, I live my life like that. And, you know, to hear you say it, I just kind of go, wow, there's somebody else that still believes this stuff because it is in the scripture. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I often ref- reflect on the, the first Psalm where God is very clear about in order for us to be blessed. One of the things that I see people do is for example, on social media, they'll post things that are like, denigrating another image bearer or talking bad about another person. Well, the Bible is very clear is that we are not to sit in the seat of, of the scorner. What is a scorner? A scorner is a person who is denigrating another person. They're degrading another person. That's an image bearer. That's somebody who reflects Jesus. So I will keep my mouth shut before I say something against another image bearer, because why we reap what we sow. I don't, I don't want to ever sow seeds that are going to come back to me. <laughs> so it's like, you know what? I'll just sit out, right? And and I think in our cancel culture that's coming out, like across the board, I'm not just talking the church, but across the world is that, you know, people that four or five years ago were calling out everyone and blaming everyone. I mean, what goes around comes around. Like it's definitely, uh, you know, earlier we were going to go down some of the pitfalls. I'd be interested and I think people would want to hear, what are some of the, the worst examples that you've seen in social media? What are some pitfalls that are there? Because I'm sure, you know, I see a lot too but I think it's important for people listening to this and mostly it's women and in leadership roles and I want us to be careful uh because sometimes we think social media is the you know it's sort of that silver bullet it's the thing that's going to do everything and um it does a lot of things (laughs) but you know and and both good and bad and certainly I'm always on the side that ultimately promotion doesn't come from the north south east or west it comes from god god opens doors that no man can shut i know people think i'm a little bit old school but i've been doing this for 35 years and i'm still advocating and i'm saying this as much uh whether you're in vocational ministry or secular ministry anyone that knows me and knows propel we're about every woman so marketplace motherhood uh full-time vocational ministry we are all on mission for jesus whatever we are doctors lawyers um sociologists psychologists whatever you are but at the end of the day i think a lot of us think the key to life the universe and everything is social media and i'm here to say and of course i'm very present on it that it's very obvious but um i think i've got checks and balances what would be some of the potential pitfalls in your experience Uh I love this question. I think one of the biggest pitfalls, and I I encourage people to remember this regularly, is that you have to remember social media, for the most part, isn't real. Like if you think about it, people are curating what they're sharing. And so one of the pitfalls, and this gets back to comparison, is we end up viewing our life through another person's highlight reel and feeling like ours is somehow dull by comparison, right? Because because we share the day that we got engaged. We share the day we got married. We don't share the day we got the divorce. Like we share the day that we got the brand new car. We don't share the day it was repossessed. We share the day we got the job. We don't share the day we got the layoff notice. And so we end up with this distorted view of reality that we're comparing our lives to. And so we end up in this, this constant state of unfulfillment based on fiction. And so we have to remember it's not real. And so I constantly remind people, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Like that, that piece of thanksgiving, we oftentimes lose in social media because we're constantly seeing another person doing better 
than us. And so we become ungrateful. So that's a huge, huge pitfall. Um, I think an, another pitfall is when we forget that in many ways, our social media is a benevolent dictatorship. So by that, what I mean is not everybody should have the license to speak into your life. Exactly. Like you can decide if somebody should be able to comment on your post. You can block, you can restrict, you can unfriend. You do not have to give everybody a front row seat to your life if they are toxic, um, if they are somehow making you feel less than you don't have to give them access to you. And sometimes we feel bad because we're like, well, I don't want to be petty. It's not about being petty. It's about guarding your heart. You do not give everybody access to your heart. And, and you know, and I don't know if you can speak to this, Chris, but I know I can. There will be hundreds of positive comments and there's like one or two that are just, you suck. And that's, that's the thing <laughs> I end up focusing on. So instead of responding, now what I do is I just block. I'm like, you know, we're done. So I think we have to remember it's a benevolent dictatorship. Like it's, it's your space. Weed your feed. Like don't constantly allow people to speak into your life. And then the last thing I would say relatedly is, you know, guard your connections. Like I have a, I have a comparatively small number of people that I follow than who follow me. And that's intentional. Like, I'm not trying to be in everybody's life. I'm not trying to know what everybody's doing. I follow friends. I follow people who inspire me, who encourage me, who I can learn from. Don't follow everybody, <laughs> especially if they're leaving you discouraged and feeling bad about yourself. Yeah, it's it's your space. So just curate it well. Nona, as you're talking, I am just I'm thinking about my kids because my oldest, her friends are starting to get on social media. And all I can think is, first off, I want to play this conversation for Sarah, like before she jumps into this social media world, I'm like, you need to listen to Nona Jones and what she has to say. Um, but you know, like, speak to us, speak to us moms for a second who are who have children diving into this world. Um, my kids don't necessarily want to listen to me, they want to listen to other people, right? Because everybody's smarter than mom. Um, what what would you say? Uh, what would you say to the parent who wants to help their kid? set healthy boundaries in their approach to social media? Yeah. So I have, I have two boys. They're 13 and 10. Um, my 13 year old son, first of all, he's been begging me to let him get a social media account. Um, I have not done that yet. And the reason is there is a certain level of maturity that I think that I think our children need to have when they go into these spaces, because it goes back to what I said before, it's not real. And so if they don't have the maturity to realize that this isn't real, they're going to end up assuming that they need to conform to what they're seeing and it's not real. And so I would say if your child is the type of child who is very impressionable, um, they need approval. Yeah. They need to be liked. They are not in a space for social media because social media, I believe, is like an identity battlefield. <laughs> so if your child is not at that space where they really know who they are, their identity is firmly secured in Jesus, they're not going to be swayed based on likes and follows, then, okay, you can have the conversation. But if your child's not there yet, have the battle. Like, I don't mind telling my son no. I don't mind him being upset because I know that on the other side of that platform is something that could potentially harm his uh, formation. And so we as parents just have to be be mindful of that. And and yeah, they they may be upset because they want to be a part of the, the crowd, but they're not they're not at the place yet to be able to steward it well. So don't feel bad if you know your child is not there yet. 
that's our job as a parent is just to say, no, if they are there and they have the maturity, make sure that you are friends with them. Make sure that you're watching what they're posting, that you're speaking into what they're posting. So they're not just out there, you know, on an island by themselves because, you know, there are predators out there. There just are. And my son, he had a situation. My youngest son was playing Fortnite and he thought he was playing with another 10 year old girl. Well, come to find out this was like a grown man pretending to be a 10 year old girl. Thank God he told us what was happening, but there may be other kids whose parents aren't as involved who have no idea. So just know that that is out there. Oh, can I just tell you as someone that runs a global anti-trafficking organization, it is out there. It is it's huge. And well, on that note, I hope we've just reminded all the parents that you are the parents and your children are not the boss of you. <laughs> that is, a, that is a, the leadership lesson from this. Uh, Nona, you are just a wealth of information. And of course, we could talk to you forever. And uh Rachel's like, we are having her back. I'm like, yes, we are having you back 100%. So I just want to say thank you so much. I love you dearly. And, you know, this has been an awesome conversation. I feel like I've, I've got my pen here. I've been taking down notes myself, like full of wisdom. And for all of our listeners, notice details are listed and tagged in the description of this episode. So I want you to keep up with her and connect with her further and get her books because, um, you know, Killing Comparison – there's there's just not a better book on this then and because uh, there's a lot of reasons but one of it is you'll be shocked at how open Nona is like you'll be like I cannot believe she actually said that but yes she did we all do it and we all think it she wrote it down so that's what I'm saying you want to get the book so for all of you guys we love you so much we appreciate you and thank you for joining us here on the Propel Women podcast and I can't wait to see you back here next week thank you so much for joining us today we are so glad that you chose to hang out with us on the Propel Women Life and Leadership Podcast. You can connect with us at propelwomen.org or on social media at Propel Women. Remember, you can find details on today's episode as well as some small group discussion questions in the description of this episode. We'd love to hear from you, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and we'll see you back here next week.